Welcome to the Journey Home Podcast. Life is full of twists and turns, and sometimes we get stuck or lost along the way. Our desire is to be a friend and resource to anyone who needs a little wisdom, advice, or encouragement on their journey. But most of all, we want you to know you're not alone. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Journey Home Podcast, and we are continuing in our series on discipleship. This is our fifth uh, episode in this series, and uh, today I want to share a few thoughts about um, what did discipleship look like in Jesus' day, you know, how did Jesus disciple his disciples, and then what are some lessons or takeaways or principles that we can learn from that um, as we are seeking to make Uh, disciples today, right? And so um, the first thing to understand is that when Jesus came and appointed his 12 or called his 12 disciples uh, to himself, um, you know, this wasn't an entirely new concept. It wasn't an unfamiliar concept to the people of that that time. Um, You know, even if you look back in the history of the Jewish people, you know, that's recorded in the Old Testament scriptures, um, you know, you can see this principle of discipleship. They might not use that exact word, um, but it is, it's definitely there. You know, there was uh, something that was known as a school of the prophets. It was like a community of the prophets um, where they were, you know, learning together and living together, doing life together and doing ministry together. And so that's a picture of discipleship. You know, you see the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. Um, Elisha is, you know, being trained under Elijah's ministry. And so that, you know, again, they might not use that word, uh, but it definitely is a picture of discipleship. And then you fast forward to um, to the point in, you know, in Israel's history where Jesus enters the scene Um you know, John the Baptist, we know from the Gospels that John the Baptist, he had disciples. Um, the religious leaders of Israel had their own disciples, you know, the rabbis, the, uh, and, you know, and and then, of course, as we know, Jesus had his own disciples. And so, again, it wasn't an unfamiliar concept. This was um, something that was understood um, and, and, you know, something that people of that day would have esteemed and sought after, you know, to be trained under a a famous rabbi or a well-known rabbi, a respected rabbi was a great privilege, a great honor. And, uh, you know, so this was something um, that, again, was a part of their culture. It was a part of their tradition. Um, And, you know, I'm no expert on, you know, Jewish history and customs, but, you know, based on some of the things I've read and learned uh, over the years, you know, it seems that, um, you know, there were different stages of, of this uh, discipleship, you know, I, I think from a young age, uh, Jewish children um, were taught uh, to the Torah, and at a, at a younger age, you know, the focus would be on um, reading, writing, memorizing the Torah. Right? Uh, these are different stages of discipleship, right? And so that w- that's uh, I think understood to be an early part of most children's development. Then, as they get a little older. Um, you know, their, their discipleship continues, and then they focus more on um, uh, studying oral traditions of the Torah um, and the rest of the Jewish scripture. This happens when they're about 
10 to 12. So the first stage is really like childhood, maybe like age 5 to 6 to age 10. Next stage comes about age 10 to 12. Um, and then the third stage is where it kind of uh, narrows down a little bit because um, certain certain boys is my understanding i'm not sure if they're you know girls were eligible for this but uh boys would have been eligible from the age of 12 or 13 um to go to that third stage of discipleship where they would um you know seek out a famous rabbi and and if he was agreeable um you know they would begin to travel with them study under them and you know go deeper in their study of you know the scripture but at the same time, a major focus of this stage is really um, learning from the life of that rabbi with the goal of, um, you know, becoming like that rabbi, you know, assuming that, you know, he was a person. Well, I guess you would hope that that rabbi was a person worthy of emulating. But, um, you know, that was the goal. It was to not just study you know, the words and the lessons, but also to learn how to apply the scriptures to to daily life, right? Um, and they did that again by spending time with this rabbi, you know, learning, observing their life, um, asking questions, um, you know, so, and uh, here's the crazy thing. It, this, like, like I said, this stage of discipleships would start around age 12 or 13, but it would go all the way up until age 30. So this is like an eight, 17 to 18 year period of discipleship. And uh, again, my understanding is that, um, you know, not everyone would progress to this final stage. I, I'm guessing this is more for those who, were aspiring to, you know, become a part of the religious leadership of Israel, so to become a rabbi or to become a scribe or, or something like that. And so, um, yeah, this wasn't for everyone. And just as a interesting side note, um, at least one source I read said that, um, you know, the first two, whereas the first two stages are, you know, pretty accessible to most or the average Jewish. Uh, person, right? Um, the third stage kind of seemed to be reserved more for um, for the elite, right? So if you displayed a certain um, talent or intelligence, or you came from a wealthier family, you know, you were more likely to to progress to this third stage. And so, um, so yeah, that's just an interesting side note when you consider, you know, that Jesus um, called you know, just average men to be and women to be his disciples. Right. And so so it's not that Jesus, you know, exactly followed the tradition of his day. But um, but just to be sure, I mean, discipleship was definitely an, something that was understood in that culture. But it's it's kind of cool to see that, you know, the people that Jesus selected were not the people that the uh religious establishment of that day necessarily would have chosen and of course i think there's a message even in that in the kinds of people that he chose i mean that's not the point of this uh this episode entirely but i, I just like to throw that in there as a cool side note um but yeah so you know you you look at um how jesus lived with his disciples and it really does um you know, in many ways seem to mirror that th what what I described as that third stage of discipleship, right? Where he he called um, his disciples to 
follow him, right? And that meant traveling with him, really living with him, essentially, you know, for a period of three years. And so, you know, it wasn't a 17 to 18 year period, but it was a period of three full time years. Um, And, you know, I think in many ways it was similar in that they got to observe him, do life with him, ask him questions. We see that in the Gospels that, you know, Jesus, he would minister to multitudes and to large crowds. But there were also times where it was just him and his disciples and they would they would ask him questions and they and he would share things with them that he didn't necessarily share with everyone. And so um, there was really that uh, close, intimate, you know, life on life discipleship taking place um, with his disciples and you know and you know I think we can reasonably assume that these disciples even though you know like I said again they weren't necessarily the elite of society but I'm sure they had a an understanding of the Torah as as most Jewish children of that of that time um, probably did you know but but uh, I think Jesus as he did for everyone, but especially his disciples, um, took them deeper. You know, he said he didn't come to uh, abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so I think he helped them to understand what the law was really all about, you know, all along, you know, whereas Israel's religious leaders may have, um, you know, misinterpreted or misapplied it. You know, Jesus kind of came to correct that. And, and and you see that throughout the Gospels, too, that he's really kind of um, explaining the the heart behind uh, a lot of the law uh, to begin with, right? And so, um, and, and you just think about all the little things that aren't even necessarily recorded in scripture, but, you know, we can imagine um, how, you know, what it was like for the disciples to observe Jesus's life, just his ordinary daily life, not just when he was preaching, not just when he was ministering and healing the sick. And of course, those things were part of their discipleship too, but also just, you know, how did Jesus rest? How did he Sabbath? You know, how did he, um, you know, spend his free time, right? Like how did he process stress or how did he process, uh, you know, disappointment or, you know, other things like that. And there's, I'm sure there's so many moments that aren't recorded in the scripture, but, um, but were certainly part of their discipleship as well. And, you know, again, as it was, you know, in the Jewish culture at the time, I believe it was for Jesus and his disciples where, you know, he is modeling. He's not just teaching them to obey, but he is modeling obedience for them every moment of every day, um, you know, in big and small ways. And, you know, he doesn't just teach them about the crucified life or carrying their own cross. Like he literally does it and so they watch him um like actually lay down his life uh for his for his friends and for his enemies and even as he's hanging on the cross he prays you know he prays for his enemies he forgives um you know he's thinking of his mother you know like that's you i you just can't underestimate how impactful that was for his disciples to to be around that and to observe that and to see that, right? And so, you know, we can, you know, again, there's many thoughts that we could share and observe about Jesus and the way that he 
um, discipled his own disciples, but um, just a few thoughts and and uh, a few thoughts that I have on it. Okay, so first uh, I have four just to, for today. I'm sure I'll think of more in the future, but for today, four observations. One is that um, you know the Jewish paradigm of discipleship. It was it took time. It was long. And it was slow, you know, um, you know, like I said, Jesus spent three years full time with his disciples, um, you know, a young Jewish boy aspiring to be a rabbi, like I said, would spend 17 to 18 years. I mean, that is a long time. And I just don't know if we have that kind of paradigm for anything in our modern society now, you know, like, a, you know, a doctor will, you know, they'll go to college and medical school and residency. I mean, that's a long time. Um to enter into that profession, right? So maybe that's uh, a decent uh, parallel that we can, you know, draw. Um, but, you know, back in the day, you know, there there was something known as apprenticeship. But, I mean, discipleship, I think, is, is even takes it a step deeper because it's not just learning a skill or a trade. It's, it's, it's literally uh, observing the life of your teacher and trying to become more like that teacher, right? Um, you know, I said in previous episodes, the ultimate aim of discipleship is to become like Jesus. And so, um, you know, Jesus is the way Jesus discipled shows us like that takes time. Um, you know, and I think a lot of times we are we're trying to do things quickly. We want fast results. And for some things, that's great. You know, I'm all for it if it if that's if it can happen that way. Uh, but one thing I know um, is that discipleship is not does not happen that way. And that, that doesn't mean we can't have, you know, discipleship programs that are shorter <laughs> and limited in length. Um, but we just need to be careful not to confuse, uh, you know, like a 12 week discipleship class or program with the life of discipleship because that truthfully doesn't end and it actually takes a long time you know um and so that's that's my first observation um my second one is that you know he did focus on a few you know i think in again in our modern culture we love big numbers right and even in the church we love uh we love you know, bigger crowds and bigger numbers. And, you know, it, it, we, it, we can assume that bigger is always better. But, um, and again, Jesus ministered to the crowds. He ministered to the multitudes. I'm not saying that's wrong, but in terms of his discipleship and where he focused his discipleship efforts, um, you know, he really did spend most of the time with that smaller group of disciples. And even within the, the 12, um, you know, it's, pretty apparent that there was even an inner circle there of three that, you know, he, you know, gave even greater access to and, you know, and shared certain experiences with them that weren't necessarily shared even with the the rest of the 12. And so, um, you know, that might seem unfair or whatever, but I mean, I think at the very least we can observe that, you know, he did understand the power of focusing on just a few and really pouring into a few. And I think sometimes uh, we can make the mistake of thinking, you know, if it's not a big number or a what we think is a big impact, then it's almost not worth our time. And I just don't know that Jesus, you know, felt that way or discipled that way, right? And so that's my second observation, that he focused on a few. Um, 
The third one is that his discipleship was rooted in everyday life. So again, I've talked previously about how sometimes we think discipleship is what happens when we're at church or in a Bible study. And, you know, that's part of it. But discipleship happens in all of life. And Jesus discipled his disciples in everyday scenarios. And so, you know, yes, he preached and yes, he ministered, but, you know, they also just ate meals together and traveled together and went to weddings together and, you know, just and and Sabbath together and, and just different things that are just part of ordinary life. You know, they went to the markets together. They went to the well uh, to draw water, just ordinary everyday tasks. Um but yet they they uh, did it together and it was part of their discipleship. Um, so it was rooted in everyday life. And then the last um, observation that I have is that it was supernatural, you know. Um, you know, Jesus, though he was fully man and uh, fully God and fully man, um, you know, he understood and he actually told his disciples, like, it's actually even better for you when I go away that the Holy Spirit comes to you. And so Jesus though he we could argue he was the the best discipler in all of human history right like but he even said it's better for the holy spirit to come and dwell inside of you because that's going to accomplish something that you know even he couldn't or maybe wouldn't accomplish right but but he relied on the holy spirit um, in his discipleship he and, and also he was always pointing people to the father right that was the whole goal of his ministry is to show us the father and so um you know those are four observations that i have from jesus's discipleship and then just some lessons or some takeaways that we can take away from that um is you know related to that first one that it's long it's slow um we have to understand that discipleship is a process it's a journey um it's not going to happen overnight it's not even going to happen in a short period of time and and again i'm not saying that you have to you know sign this lifelong commitment to disciple someone but we just have to understand both for our own lives and our own discipleship and as we disciple others that um you know, again, that discipleship is, it's a long process. And really, we are going to be his disciples for the remainder of our lives on this earth, right? And until we see him face to face, we are still learning and growing and being formed into his likeness. And so we have to remember that because otherwise we can get impatient or we can um, get frustrated when things aren't happening quickly, as quickly as we want it to. You know, we have to keep that in mind. It is a, it is a process. Um, second takeaway is that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be big. Now, again, I'm not opposed to big if it's, you know, if it's effective and if it's actually making Christ-like disciples, right? But, um, but my point is mostly that it doesn't have to be big to be from God, right? Like some people will have bigger platforms, others maybe smaller platforms, but that's not the point. The main point is, are we being faithful to disciple the ones that God has brought in front of us, right? Um, whether it's big or small. And so my encouragement to any any of you that are aiming to make disciples, be faithful with what the Lord's given you, even for Jesus. You know, as we see, he focused his the majority of his efforts on just a few. And we know those disciples literally uh, 
shook the world. They turned the world upside down. You know, that was their reputation. And so, um, you know, again, it doesn't have to be big. Just be faithful. Uh, my third takeaway is, you know, again, as I s- shared in earlier episodes, you know, it's not just about the teach. So teach, of course, teach them the Bible, teach, you know, teach the scriptures, you know, give them lessons, but don't let your discipleship efforts only be that, you know. Um, you know, there's definitely been in times in of, in my life, in my ministry where, you know, I thought that was enough. You know, I preached a good sermon or I did a good Bible study and that was it, you know, and I didn't really think about the discipleship that happens in other aspects of life. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm not saying you have to, you know, necessarily do it the way Jesus did and invite people to live with you 24-7 for three years or or even 18 years, right? But like, but the point is that it does take time. Um, you know, we do need to spend time with people. We need to invest. We need to, and, and just, and it doesn't always have to be this big, um, you know, glamorous or dynamic ministry event. You know, it can just be ordinary life because, we need to model a discipleship that um, that impacts and affects all of our life, not just, you know, the ministry moments or the big events, right? So, um, yeah, don't just stop at, at the teaching part of the Great Commission, but also, uh, you know, it's the it's the pay attention to your life and the doctrine, right, that Paul told Timothy, you know, it's, it's both. And so we need to... Uh, you know, not just do the teaching part, but also the life on life part, right? Um, And then my last takeaway is, you know, related to that point that Jesus's discipleship was supernatural. He relied on the Holy Spirit, right? And so for us, like, you know, it's one thing to look at Jesus's disciple, how he discipled his disciples. But for us, like, we know that we're not him. And so, um, the point is that we need to do our part. Like we don't want to neglect our responsibility in discipleship, but then at the very same time, we have to remember it's not about connecting this person to us necessarily, um, but it's about cult- helping them to cultivate their own relationship with Jesus. But, you know, as Jesus did with the Holy Spirit, who's dwelling inside of them. Right. And so for them to realize and for us to realize as disciples that, you know, it's not just about, me and and the people I'm discipling, but it's also about all of us relying on the Holy Spirit, all of us cultivating a closer walk with Jesus, you know, through the Holy Spirit, right? And so, um, yeah, just remembering that, again, it's, we want to do our part. Of course, we don't want to neglect our responsibility, but at the same time, we want to connect them to Jesus and and help them to have their own walk with the Lord. And even as Jesus, like I said, his he was always wanting to point people to the Father. Like we want to point our disciples to the Father as well and help them realize like, like, of course, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do as much as I can to help you. But you have a Father in heaven too, who is, you know, without limit, who has, you know, you know, he's not limited in the way I'm limited. He's perfect. I'm not perfect, you know. And so we want to be pointing people to the Father. We want people to have their own walk with the Lord, um, not just a walk with us, if that makes sense, right? And so, again, so many lessons, so many takeaways that we can um, glean from 
you know, the way that Jesus discipled his own disciples. But um, I hope that this, you know, the, the little that I've been able to share today has been able to encourage you and help you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, but we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, but what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um, you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, so thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.